I'm Stephen Adams. This is down to Doug. I'm I'm miffed and peeved. That's not the words. What do I say? Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm about to dunk. I'm not miffed and peeved. Hello, I'm Alex Sabrinas. I'm not miffed and peeved. I'm down to dunk. I'm Stephen Adams. I'm not miffed and peeved. I am down to dunk. Yo, this is PG and I'm down to dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and featured on Dash Radio at 5 o'clock Central Time. I have a guest. His name is Alex Spears. He's awesome. Before we get started, though, I really just want to thank you guys for uh, donating to uh, Ava's GoFundMe. You guys have been unbelievable. We've raised like $2,300 so far. Um, in just a couple days and it means the world to me it means the world to her family uh, that you guys would step up and do that I would love to reach their $5,000 goal and I know that we can do it we got to $3,800 I think they had like $1,500 to start with so we got to, to this number really fast so I think within a week we can get to that $5,000 mark uh, and I would really appreciate that um, so you can go to GoFundMe.com, search Ava's Faith Through a Plastic Anemia, or if you're on Twitter, or you can even search for my Twitter if you're not on Twitter. I'm, po- I'm posting the link. I'm retweeting it. Go donate. Let's get to that $5,000 mark. Let's really help bless this family um, with the Down to Dunk community. It's been so cool. It's been one, It's easily the coolest thing that we've done as a podcast, so keep that up. Uh, and now with me today it's my good friend alex Spears. alex what's up good morning <laughs> such a great day today uh the thunder just demolished the blazers they're in this is a good blazers team the, the both teams are on the second night of a back-to-back i know the thunders was easier but still the thunder were three games in four nights and i just really you don't really expect that kind of energy three games in four nights and especially from Russell Westbrook, who had two just monstrous dunks that I don't feel like I've seen that a lot from him this year. Uh, we can talk about that. But what what are your just thoughts on Russell and the game and everything? Well, I want to talk more yeah. about Russell, though. Well, the, those two dunks, I mean, what made them so crazy is that they're like you said, it's third game in four nights. It's at the end of him playing 37 minutes in this game. Yep. And he just looks like nothing it looks like he just came out of the locker room mm-hmm. like it, it was crazy it was like like he was doing layup lines like and to have those back-to-back dunks was just such a cool capper to that game because that was probably my favorite type of game where you're playing the team that you're basically on par with i mean blazers are a really good team especially when playing <laughs> the thunder yeah um and it was close the entire game but okc was leading the whole time and you always I don't know why I felt confident, but I did feel confident in the entire game. Like they're not going to give this away just by the way they were playing. Mm-hmm. Like there was very little lazy defense, like the type we saw a few games ago. They were just relentless the whole night. We're engaged the whole night. And, you know, like Dennis Schroeder, for instance, didn't have a great first half, but he was like the only player I was like really noticing that wasn't great. And then, of course, he, he became pretty good in the second half. But everyone seemed to be clicking last night. 
Yeah, the whole starting lineup was in double, double figures. I th- I thought that. I mean, obviously, like the 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 big time players were obviously Paul George was so good. Man, that guy is so good. He was so smooth last night, and then so disruptive on the defensive end. Russell was really great. He was nine of twenty. The ten of twelve from the free throw line was huge. The Thunder actually won a game from the free throw line. That's how they. So the Blazers fought back and got the game within two in the fourth quarter. And you're just like, all right. Or we're probably headed for another game down the stretch and then you know, be at the mercy of whether shots fall or not, which is where the Thunder have put themselves a lot this season. Uh, but they were able to get to the free throw line a lot. You know, they 27 times between Paul George and Russell Westbrook. That's something they should do more regularly. Uh, but the fact that he hit 10 of 12 was it was huge. That he, his oh. jumper was going, he was making free throws. Uh, that was the difference to me. Uh, yeah, in the way that they won. That was the first game all season where both Russ and PG took at least 10 free throws. I looked it up. Wow. That's crazy. That and, they, crazy. And, they, and they shot really well on them, too. Yeah, that was that was really important for this for this team, uh, for them to do that. And then also just their role players all stepped up. Terrence Ferguson was so freaking good, man. He oh, he showed so many things last night. And, you know, He's played great. He's been awesome. I don't want to diminish his performance up to this point because he's been like the perfect 3 and D player for the Thunder. He's been like almost 50% from three, um, you know, for a, for a while. He shot really, really well, and he did that again. But the things that he did, the reads he was making on defense to get those steals, it wasn't just like picking somebody's pocket or just, you know, getting to the ball faster than somebody. It was him making defensive reads and just stepping in and grabbing the ball, uh, which was super impressive. He made that uh, long pass to Paul George on the fast break, which I thought was impressive. And probably the most impressive thing to me of the night was his step back too. I was just like, good. Yeah. Like, what? Who is that? What is it? What's happening here? Yeah, there's a few plays of his. So that just stood out to me. So first off, the second score of the game, Russ gets the deflection. Ferguson picks it up. It's two on one against CJ. Yep. And Ferg doesn't even look at Russ. He just goes straight at CJ. I'm not even sure that it was the right play, but it just felt more like a confident play than a wild out of control play. Yep. Like it seemed like Ferg knew what he wanted to do and was going to do it. And that was right off the bat in that game. And I was like, oh, wow, Ferguson's really feeling himself tonight. That And that <laughs> and, play, that made me think of the Sacramento game, which is like the third or fourth game of the season their first home game where he's on the fast break all alone all by himself and he blows a layup and then last night he hits he goes right at cj mccollum and makes a layup in transition that's just like that to me is as stark of contrast as he's been from beginning of the season till now i mean it's been unbelievable and it's really just all confidence like he had this in him already it's just like he and jay tweeted this at me he's operating with raymond felton level confidence right now (laughs) well let's hope it's just the confidence that's all he needs from raymond that's all he needs doesn't need anything else uh but then in the third quarter that's where like you saw all these crazy plays so you mentioned the the one-on-one step back jumper which just came out of nowhere. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure he maybe he has had a shot like that before this season. I couldn't remember one. It definitely yeah. stuck out in that game. Um, and then you mentioned when he got the rebound in traffic and then just immediately had the long outlet pass. Yeah. It was a steal. Wasn't was it great? Oh, it might've been a steal. I think yeah. It was a steal. He was, and he did that twice to the, to the blazers. Cause he, 
I mean, he's a, he's a guy that's going to like really study scouting reports and is like just a student of Andre Robertson. And he knows where that ball is going to go on different plays. And you, that's, that's how he got those steals is that he knew what the Blazers were going to do before they did it, which is just like, that's, that's like a next level defender. And that's what he's been. He's been so good for them. And if offensively he can be this good and defensively he can be this good, he's not going to be this hot from off on the offensive end for the whole season. Like he's going to have slumps here and there. Um, but if he can av- like be like a 37%, 38% three-point shooter and be able to make moves off the dribble just even just every once in a while, I mean, he's he should not be supplanted at the starting shooting guard. I mean, that should not happen. I think we are already leaning toward that happening whenever whenever Dre does eventually come back. That I just don't think that you can move Terrence now. Uh, but I just, I mean, that's further cements it for me because the kind of player that he's going to be, we just, we honestly, we don't know. I think his ceiling is even higher than what I thought like a week ago. And he was awesome a week ago. Uh, if he can continue this progression, uh, they need him to start and they need him to play big minutes. Cause he's on a controllable contract. He's on a rookie scale deal. Uh, the Thunder are going to have him on their team for a long time. Um, and so they honestly, he could be the starter for the next decade and probably should be. Yeah. And you mentioned the starting lineup, but I also think it's becoming apparent and you'd probably agree that, having Ferguson in the closing lineup is pretty awesome as well because that starting unit just as a five man unit is so good in terms of like the advanced stats and everything. And there's such a great defensive squad, even with Russ out there. Um, It makes sense to play them at the end, especially when you're getting that offensive side of Ferguson. Yep. Um, Because I think that was the idea with bringing in Schroeder is not just that he's a secondary ball handler, but he's also just another scorer on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that's mitigated a little bit when Ferguson's shooting so well. Yeah, without a doubt. And if Schroeder's okay with that, I, it's the best thing for this team, to be honest. They don't, they don't need somebody to attack. They need somebody that can hit an open shot because they've got two players that can attack. And if someone has to be guarded on the perimeter, because, I mean, in the playoffs, are people going to leave Dennis Schroeder alone? from three like maybe like they might do that they may say let Dennis Schroeder beat us I think that if Ferguson can continue to hit close to 40 percent from three like you have to guard that guy and he's proven over the course of the last few weeks in big games that he can hit shots from three in the closing moments and he's not afraid and so I think you just you have to guard that guy like he's becoming a guy that you you cannot ignore uh, which is so crucial to this team and the way that Billy was great last night with his substitution patterns where he staggered Russ and Paul George. Uh, He brought in Dennis Schroeder for Paul George early and then brought in Paul George for Russell after that. So you're always having at that point, your Dennis Schroeder is never the best player on the floor, which was the case a lot of this season. And those lineups were getting demolished. Yeah, but I think when you have one of those guys out there, it really diminished that a lot, and it also gave Schroeder a little bit more room to operate too, because he ended up—he didn't have the best night, but he ended up scoring um, in pretty crucial moments. He had one three, but it was a three at the beginning of the third quarter where the Blazers started to heat up, 
and it it was a it was a big time three. And for the the Thunder to kind of withstand that run that the Blazers made in the third quarter, they scored thirty seven points. Uh, which I know we we saw the forty five point quarter, but that's like thirty seven is a lot of points in one quarter. Um, you know the Thunder were able to withstand that, uh, which was big time. Um, no, no, no. The th- I'm I'm looking at the wrong thing. The Thunder scored thirty seven points in the th- man. The Thunder scored thirty seven points in a quarter. They scored thirty seven points in the second quarter. Uh, the Blazers actually only outscored the Thunder thirty two to thirty one um, in the third quarter, uh, where when CJ just freaking. He was on fire. He could not be yeah, stopped. Yeah, he was he great. Had, he had 21 points uh, in that quarter. But, yeah, 7 uh, to 12 from 3. Um, <laughs> I think he had five threes just in that quarter, which is just insane. I wanted to bring up uh, Nurkic because yeah. for whatever reason, Nurkic always seems to play well against Steven Adams. Yeah. And so I wanted to go back and see if this was just uh, the last two games or if it was if it goes back further. Listen to these box scores since Nurkic has been in Portland. So this is against Steven Adams. 18, 12, and 6, 17, 9, and 4, 25, and 8, 20, and 8, 9, and 7, but he only played 18 minutes in that game. 17, and 12, 22, and 8, 22, and 15. <laughs> he just dominates us. And I don't know. It's so weird because, you know, obviously if that was someone like Joel Embiid, and he's beating up Adams every time. It's like, well, whatever. It's Embiid. But Nurkic is kind of like this middle tier center. Mm-hmm. But man, he just kills us every time. He just, the, the team, they rebound really well. They really pack the paint. And they don't give Adams a lot, a lot of room to operate. And Nurkic is one of the guys in the league that you're like, I don't exactly know if Adams is stronger than he is. Nurkic yeah. is so big, man. And that's Adam's advantage over most everybody in the NBA is that he's stronger than everybody. But I don't know that he, if he is stronger than Nurkic, it's not by much. Nurkic is, he's just such a big, big guy. And he's super skilled too. He's able to step out and hit those mid-range jump shots. He hit a couple last night. Uh, he's he's really good, man. Like he, I, I didn't realize the the points and rebounds until after the game just like watching the flow of the game i'm like man nurkic had like a quiet 22 and 15 <laughs> last yeah night. he was man he's super good i like and he's him. like one of the few guys on their team where you can definitely say like that is an amazing contract he's on yeah because they've got him for the next three seasons after this one all at 12 million yeah which that is, is a, a great deal that is a steal first for, a, for a, a center that can do the things that he does that is a steal and he's a pretty good defender too when they play the drop coverage like he's a good he's a good defender uh and and everybody else i just remember like really wanting the thunder to have a guy like mo harkless or al farouk aminu they were both awful last night just yeah i get uh, brett dawson after the game we're in the media room and he was, I was like, what did you think about Mo Harkless? He was like, did he play? It's like, yeah, he played 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was completely invisible in those 18 minutes. And that was a classic. As someone who owns Al Farouk Aminu on my fantasy team, <laughs> that was a classic Aminu game. He shoots one for seven from the field, yeah. has like four points, and he has 13 rebounds. That is like classic Aminu. That is just what he does. He's a really good rebounder. He, he missed all of his threes tonight. I, he didn't I didn't even take a three. Did he? No, Mo Harkless didn't take a three. I mean, oh, he yeah. took five. 
Yeah, Mina was 0 for 5. Yeah. The only shot that he did make was that cheap layup at the end of the game. Oh, yeah, that's true. Which the the crowd was not very pleased about that. The crowd is also not pleased about the rebounding, the offensive rebounds. The crowd was just like there's groans from the crowd. And then there's just like everybody's like, oh, no, no. Like every time that it happened, they grabbed 20 offensive rebounds last night. Wow. Yes. And overall, 52 to 37. Yeah. The the rebounding was not stellar by the Thunder last night. And where they won the game, to me, the the turnover battle and and free throws. Like, the Thunder had nine turnovers or ten turnovers to the Blazers' 19. And that's... That's a that's a game right there, and that's how you're they're able to mitigate the offensive rebounding by the Blazers is that you you turn them over and you go score, and they did. Uh, they were this is the Thunder like we were like where's the Thunder identity you know a week ago the Thunder what was up with this team they're just not playing they really did just have a case of the Januarys like they just <laughs> they just were just they were careless. And they were not locked in. And they're showing over the course of these last three games what they can be when they are locked in, when they are participating on the defensive end. I thought Russell was good on the defensive end. I thought, obviously, Ferguson was pretty good. He wasn't as good as he was in Portland on CJ, obviously, because he gave CJ no room. Uh, But he was contributing more on the offensive end. Uh, Grant had a great game. He was 2-2 two, two from 3. He was kind of due for a night like that because he's missed a lot of threes lately. Uh, four of, he only took 8 shots and 11 points. That's awesome. Uh, I just thought overall this team was great. And your guy, 2-Pat, he hit 2 threes last night. 2 of 2 from 3. Right now he's he's like 50% from 3 since Christmas. Uh, yeah, I don't know why everyone keeps using the the January set everyone says since January 1st he's shooting I think it's like 12 24 from three it's because it's easy to to find in the splits yeah but why aren't they just saying since Patrick Patterson gave Alex tickets (laughs) which is even better it's 12 for 23 that's what it's that they should be using (laughs) you're right that was a big turning point for him when he became generous to uh, Alex Spears of down to dunk it was a big turning point for both of us, I think. <laughs> He's been fine. Like, here's the deal. Everybody's like, when Robertson comes back, he can take Patterson's minutes. Like, I just don't I don't think there's any need to take them from him. If he can hit threes, this team needs him to do that. He only scored six points, but you know, if he if he goes over, you know, this this could go down to the wire and they might lose because they just may may not get to the free throw line or whatever. Like those those are important points. Those are important threes to hit off the bench for this team and you know i abdel nader was he almost recorded uh a mario did you ever read basket Baffle? i did yes so if you remember i can't remember who the player was he played for the hawks but he would come he his specialty was coming into the game and not recording a stat at all like nothing where it's zeros all the way across the board and he was Nader was one foul away from recording a Mario in 10 minutes, which is just, that's really impressive. Um, It is impressive. But I think that when it comes down to it, I don't think that you can play a guy like Nader. They didn't play Diallo at all last night, which I think is warranted. He's been pretty bad. 
They're going to develop him in other ways. Um, and it doesn't mean that he won't play the rest of the season. I think he will play at some point this season. Um, but Alex Sabrinas or Robertson, if those guys come back, I think like those guys will probably be in the playoff rotation. You probably won't see Nader in it. Yeah, I think that makes sense. But it's nice to have Nader. I mean, th- if this is really an end of a bench guy, it is quite the luxury compared to the past few seasons. Oh, no kidding. I mean, the options that they had last season... I mean, they just didn't have them. They had to go get Corey Brewer, and they are not going to get Corey Brewer this season. They didn't have to, um, and, and they're not going to. Uh, they, don't, they just don't, and we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but as we approach the trade deadline, you know, it, it's easy to say after a big win that they don't need anybody else, um, but at this point, like, what, what are you willing to give up to get marginally better? Like just a little bit better because I just don't I don't know if there's a deal out there that makes the thunder that pushes them to title contention. Honestly, like the, <clears throat> the biggest thing that they could do uh, this season is just get a healthy Dre back. Like I think that would be more impactful than trading for any of these guys that people want. You know, Wayne Ellington, Terrence Ross, any of those guys. I think that it would be more impactful for this team to get a healthy Andre Robertson back than any of those, which they can do for free and not have to give up an asset. Right. So I think yeah. that's a, that's kind of important for this. And squad. when you when you start going through some of the other teams in the Western Conference, you realize that OKC doesn't really have the assets. I mean, because someone like Terrence Ferguson, who at the beginning of the season we were talking about as a trade asset, just yeah. like what do you think we could get for him? Now he feels untouchable. And now, like, yeah. I'm reading articles from other teams, beat writers, suggesting Ferguson trades. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Why would I ever do that? We would never do that. We'd never give him away. Right. And you don't. You don't give a – you don't You don't trade Terrence Ferguson for Terrence Ross, who's on an expiring contract and is expecting to make some money. I mean, you just don't – that would be very stupid. I think trading Terrence Ferguson – for anybody but like a package of like Ferguson and Adams and whatever for like a superstar. Right. Like you don't, otherwise you just don't trade him. I mean, you can't, you cannot find this kind of value. And that's what you, that's why you want to hit on your first round picks is that you just, it's impossible to find that kind of value in free agency or in a trade where you have a a young wings, 20 years old that can shoot it that can play defense, that understands the system, uh, they they will they will not consider trading him unless, honestly, unless it's a package for Anthony Davis. And I just don't think the Thunder have the, the pieces to get there. Um, but Ferguson being good helps. <laughs> that helps you get closer to getting there. I don't, I still don't think that that's, it's good enough, but, but still, again, that's like another, like, part of this is that if the Thunder ever were to make a big move to upgrade, like Ferguson being really good helps them get helps them be in the conversation at least for for big trades too. So like it's it's kind of twofold. Like obviously it's great for the team, but it's it's he's also becomes a a more valuable asset um in the trade market. So it's really I mean, it's a huge thing for this franchise for the 21st pick like that pick like rarely pans out. And you look at like the guys that were selected around Terrence Ferguson and there, I think like right before Terrence Ferguson, uh, it was pretty, 
it was pretty bad. But then like the next three picks, I think it was Ferguson, Jared Allen, and OG and an OB, uh, which is obviously pretty awesome. Uh, but that draft was really interesting. Like, like TJ leaf went before Terrence Ferguson, um, and stuff like that. So, but anyways, I just think that obviously Ferg's value is just, it's just huge. And for the thunder to hit on the 21st pick is, is monstrous for them. Yeah, that was a nice little run. It was John Collins, Harry Giles, T Ferg, Jared Allen, and OG Ananobi all in a row. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's a, that's a good draft, and the end of that draft is also pretty good. You have like Derek White at the end of that draft, Josh Hart, Kuzma, Josh Hart and Kuzma were at the end of that draft. Yeah, I mean that's that was a really good draft. The middle is is kind of ugly, um, but uh, the end of that draft, the end of that first round was like really really solid. Yeah, man, going back over some of those teams, like the ones that stick out the most are the Knicks. And the Pistons, it just felt like their their whole franchise could have changed if they had just taken someone else. Like the idea of the Knicks not taking Dennis Smith Jr. And I know Dennis Smith Jr. is kind of taking some heat right now, but I I still Mm -hmm. would really like him on his own young team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really. Yeah. After eight, it gets pretty dicey. And even Portland, we were talking about this last night, like, like Zach Collins, like I liked Zach Collins a lot, but like how much better is he than Myers Leonard? Do you, do we even, I just don't know. I think he'll eventually be better than Myers Leonard, but he has not been great this season. And the fact that Donovan Mitchell sitting there at 13, like that hurts. Even Bam Adebayo at 14, like you'd much rather have him than Zach Collins at this point. Well, and remember they traded two first round picks to get Zach Collins. So they had the 15th pick and the 20th pick. <laughs> And they would would have, I mean, that's for whatever reason, like everybody overvalued Malik Monk, Luke Kennard, Justin Jackson, Justin Patton, DJ Wilson, who's been pretty good for the, for the Bucks this year, TJ Leaf, like the, everybody just overvalued all of those guys. And then the sweet spot, like you said, John Collins, Harry Giles, Terrence Ferguson, Jared Allen, OG Ananobi, Kyle Kuzma, Derek White, Josh Hart were all 19 through 30. Like that was that was the sweet spot in the draft, and for whatever reason, everybody overvalued Nilakina and Dennis Smith and Zach Collins and Malik Monk and Luke Kennard. I mean, all of those guys. If you did a redraft, I mean, Ferguson probably goes top ten, and like all those guys I listed, like maybe some of them, like maybe Dennis Smith still falls in the top ten, uh, but I don't think it's guaranteed. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't pass it enough or pass it well enough to to give you confidence that you can be like a real point guard um i think a redraft of that draft in particular would be interesting because also like something else that looks terrible we we're talking i was talking to royce about this was josh jackson going four when De- with De'Aaron yeah. fox going right after him like yes how, how good would De'Aaron <laughs> fox be in phoenix oh man like that team, that'd, that'd be such a nice pair him oh and it would be perfect it would be perfect. And that that is a that's a really bad pick and like a franchise changing pick. Uh, also, just don't draft a wing from Kansas. Like, just don't do it. Like, it's not he works hard, Andrew. It's not going to turn out well. At least he doesn't have like the Wiggins thing where he just well, I mean, he does disappear, but he does really try. Apparently, everyone talks about how he has a ton <laughs> of energy. 
He's just not good. I was going to say, that's something you say about a player that's not really good. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hey, quick last thing on Ferguson. Okay. I think he is officially like the the thunder smart take. Like if you realize Ooh, how yeah. good he is right now, because I haven't heard a lot of people talking about him yet, but if I, I'm assuming it'll happen at the end of the year when some of these national people go back and are looking at like all the young players in the league or it's, he's going to stick out because yeah. when you have a guy who is a starter on a top two or three defense in the league and he's making, you know, 38, 40% of his threes, I mean, I, I think his value within the league and like among like NBA fans is going to shoot up dramatically. Yeah. But he's still kind of a secret right now. He is. I think I think the smart take is and I kind of had this earlier is that Terrence Ferguson should have been a top 10 pick in the 2017 draft. Is that Terrence Ferguson should be traded one for one for Anthony Davis? That's that's the smart take. That's really smart. You guys, you guys have no idea the potential this kid has. He's twenty years old. He's just scratching. Paul George said it himself. He's just scratching the surface. Hey, the dumbest thing I ever said last. It was on a pod last year. Uh-huh. I'm pretty sure I told you that I looked at his stats per thirty six and realized he could be Reggie Miller. And now it doesn't seem as dumb. That's right. It's still pretty dumb, but less what do, dumb. What do you scratch the surface of? I don't understand that. Scratching the surface. <laughs> You're turning into a Zach Lowe. This is like a very Zach Lowe question. Like he has yeah. me questioning like everything I say now. Because he just like stops every like every five minutes of his podcast and asks. God, them. there was like, there was one. I can it was, think now. I think it was his Arnovitz podcast. It, the tangent ended up being like a legitimate five minutes before they got to basketball it's really funny i really like it and it's really it's really changed the way my brain operates uh yeah ferg was great i i wanted to touch on russell because i just think that everybody needs to stop and realize that like he had a knee procedure before the season he rolled his ankle he had a very very bad ankle sprain that he came back he could play on it obviously but he was still limping after games for a little while after he came back from that ankle injury and he just like he may just i've seen it feels like recently like i think this the first spurs game was like an indication like oh like russell looks like he's back like he's athletically coming back and then last night playing as many games they have recently to throw down those dunks, to get past people in transition, to finish like he finished. I mean, it was just like, it looked like old Russell. And so, and like, there's a chance that like, this is just a flash where we just see this, you know, 20 times in a season rather than every single game. Or it could be the case that like Russell's finally feeling good. And and after the game last night, he was classic Russell as well. Uh, when, Royce has asked him a couple of questions where he just didn't want to answer what he first. He asked him what he says after he, when he's like raising the roof after that dunk, he's like, I got hops. I think is what he says. Um, and Royce asked him, are you saying I got hops or I get up? And he's like, you tell me. And Royce is like, I don't know. I'm asking you. He's like, read my lips. (laughs) And Royce is like, I tried. (laughs) And Russell just won't answer him. Uh, and then he asked him about Evan Turner rocking the baby. 
and he got a great answer. And I don't think Russell knew how funny his answer was until everybody laughed at him because he said that uh, that he can rock it right back to Portland, which is just yeah. hilarious. Just a great Russell Westbrook quote, like an all time. And then he laughed at his own joke. And then he like tried not to, but then did eventually laugh at his own (laughs) joke, which is just great. It was just an overall just great classic Russell Westbrook that I had like everything that you could want. You know, he had the triple double. He had two monstrous dunks. He made his free throws. He, you know, was just a big butthead in the scrum and then laughed at his own joke. Like it just had all the makings of just the just the Russell night. It was just awesome. And when you talk about Russ rounding into form, I don't think this is going to happen, but if anyone out there has been listening to any like all-star pick shows, you know that Russ is kind of on the borderline for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I mean, he was one of Zach Lowe's last two picks. He might've even been his last pick, but can you imagine if Russ didn't get selected for the (laughs) all-star then got all that time to rest and then he just comes back in the second half and just destroys people. Honestly, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the worst outcome. Yes. I was about to say that. And not only for the rest, but for the fact that people didn't name him an all-star. Because yes. you know that if anybody is going to just seethe about that and like throw down a dunk or just destroy somebody, he's gonna look at people and just say, I'm not an all-star. Like he you will he will say that on the court. And I'm kind of rooting for it a little bit now because I just like obviously Paul George, very, very, very deserving. I'm not saying that Russell isn't deserving, but he is definitely a borderline all-star candidate. And like you could you could see if if somebody else got named an all-star above him. I don't think that will end up happening. I think he makes the all-star team. I, I don't I think that he does deserve it. But he like you have to admit, like he's had a pretty weird season. Uh, he's averaged a triple double, which I do think, despite what most people say, it does matter because it's been done, you know, three times in NBA history and twice by him. It does matter. Like you just you can't. I just don't understand the refuting of it. I think it's so so stupid. Um, but it's. I, I think he will be an all star. I think this conversation is a little bit moot. But I do think like the fuel that it would give him for the second half of the season might be worth it for Thunder fans. All right, you ready to do our trade deadline preview? Let's do it. Uh, okay, so I was going to go through. We're just going to do the Western Conference, and so those are the teams that the uh, Thunder will be jockeying for position with. I thought we should rate each team's likelihood of making a trade at the deadline just because some of the teams seem more likely than others so maybe like a one to ten scale so ten would be very very likely to make a trade Mm -hmm. one would be like a spurs because the spurs never do anything uh and i was going to go just one through 15 based on the current standings i'll give you like a some basic stats about the team we can talk about like some of their targets some of their assets i read one article for every team on the trade deadline. Okay. Uh, except the Clippers. They're the weirdest team. I could not find any information <laughs> on the Clippers. I have no idea and what they're the actually, Clippers are supposed to do. And they're actually kind of interesting. The they're super deadline. interesting. because, And I have no idea what they should do, what they're thinking of doing. Because they have... Yeah, okay, we'll get to it. Okay, so uh, first... Oh, go ahead. Before we talk about trades, do you know oh. that we, you should never oh. trade with anyone? Uh, <laughs> this is this is food related. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of a transition. 
Uh, you should never trade your grilled cheese. Yes, you should never grilled trade. <laughs> you should never trade a grilled cheese sandwich from the Mule. Uh, you got to go down to the Mule. It's at 16th and Blackwell. They're in the Plaza District in downtown OKC. One, it's just a cool place to be. It's a cool place to hang out. They have a great bar. Uh, it's, uh, it's got a cool design. The people there are cool. You'll feel cool if you go down to the mule. And also the food is just, it's seriously so fresh and so good. It's creative. It's always, it's just amazing. It's an amazing, uh, gourmet grilled cheese restaurant. The cheese curds are great. They have this, I saw their, on their Instagram, you got to follow them on Instagram or on any social media platform, the mule OKC. This new cake, I can't remember what it's called, but this had this delicious cake. So they've got good desserts. Uh, appetizers are awesome. They have a, a their poutine is so good. Uh, everything there is great. So support the people that support Down to Dunk and go get yourself a grilled cheese at the Mule and don't you could not trade it. You wouldn't trade it. For I wonder if uh, local OKC establishments like the Mule, if it's harder now to carry beers because there's so many new OKC breweries, you know, mm-hmm. you want a nice sampling of all of them. There's mm-hmm. so many now. Yeah. It's based on distributors. Oh, really? Yeah. So like different and these local beer companies had to choose distributors recently with the new laws. We can talk about this later. Uh, <laughs> NBA, t- <laughs> NBA trade deadline preview. Okay. So first, uh, in first place, the Golden State Warriors are 33 and 14. They've won eight in a row. They're nine and one in their last 10. So Bob Myers has actually said what they want. And what they want is another center. Hank, and my dog's, my dog's furious right now. Anytime I talk about the Warriors, he gets upset. They want another center. Yeah, and Bob Myers has come out and said that. That's like what they're targeting. He's, he did say it's more likely that it happens during buyout season, but I just don't get that. I, I don't understand why, I, especially now, and maybe it's changed because now you've seen DeMarcus. He seems to be fine. They're afraid um, of Steven Adams. That's obviously it. Yeah? You think that's it? <laughs> I think that's it. I mean, I know their backup centers aren't great, but like Looney is fine if he's just going to be a backup. But yeah, mm-hmm. they were talking about Dwayne Dedman as a potential buyout candidate, which would suck because I like Dwayne Dedman. Yeah, he's a smart NBA guy, though. How good is he really? I don't know. <laughs> he's very good, Andrew. <laughs> You're so smart. I, I can't even get off your level at this point. But but I would give them a one. I don't, I don't think the Warriors are going to do anything at the trade deadline. No, the, what, are you, what are they going to trade? No, nothing. They have nothing to trade. You want Jacob Evans? Who? No. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so they're not that exciting. Neither are the Denver Nuggets. 31-14, and 14, the number two seed. They've won two in a row, seven and three in their last ten. Everyone seems to just think getting back Isaiah Thomas is good enough. And and their team is so deep at this point. Yeah. I, I could see a con- consolidation trade, but the, the difference is that none of those guys have been healthy all at once. Mm-hmm. So they really haven't gotten to like a normal flow in terms of their rotation. So... They're probably just going to stand pat, too. They might trade Trey Lyles, though. Oh, yeah. That, w- that would make sense. I'm I, don't think think. I don't think they'll re-sign him. Yeah. Who, so who would like Trey Lyles? Who needs he another? He's a, he's a versatile power forward. He can kind of do a lot of things, but none of them like crazy well. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I, I, I don't know who would be good for that. 
Um, Maybe they so just yeah. give them to OKC. You'd give them? Yeah, just give them to us. We'll take them. We'll give you TLC. I, <laughs> I, oh, I'd take him. He's still on his rookie deal. Yeah, he's ex- he's ex- he's restricted this summer. So we'd probably rate them like a two or a three. Yeah, I think that probably you might nothing. just see like Trey Lyles for like a, a good second round pick or something like that. Um, then you have the Thunder, 29 and 18, number three seed. They've won three in a row. They are five and five in their last 10. I mean, after everything we've talked about, I'm feeling I'm still feeling really good about my prediction a few months ago yeah. that they wouldn't make any trades. I, I just don't see what the trade would be. I mean, we've talked about it endlessly, but Abrinas, Patterson, and the second isn't probably getting you anything. <laughs> no. Like, those guys have no... Like, what value... Alex Abrinas has no trade value, guys. Like, he just doesn't. And honestly, if, like, Alex Abrinas were, like, on another NBA team, I think that we'd be talking about, like, could we could we steal Alex Abrinas for, like, you know, the, a, 50th, a 50th pick in the draft? And like, that's You have to be so smart. You have to be really to smart. From another team. <laughs> I just I don't think they're going to trade him. I, I still I, there's a chance he comes back and plays well. And honestly, like what the Thunder need is a guy who can come in and hit a three consistently. Alex Sabrinas can do that, and I think their bench could use a boost on the defensive end. And that's where Andre Robertson comes in. Like I just honestly think that their roster upgrades are already on the team. And I just don't know because I, I don't think that it's worth trading Hami right now because uh, I I think that if you were going to trade him this season, you trade him at the beginning when his value was super high and everybody talked about him. Uh, but now I just don't I don't know. I think everybody's seen kind of who he is at this point. And I just think that it's more valuable for them to develop him. to have him on a really cheap contract for three years. He'll be restricted after that. Great. Keep him. See what he develops into. If he doesn't develop into anything, he's super cheap. Uh, you know, they they might do Raymond Felton or TLC a favor and like deal them to somewhere that where they can play. Uh, but I just honestly, I don't really even see that happening. I just unless something perfect comes along, unless like Miami just wants to give Wayne Ellington to the Thunder, um, I just don't. I don't know that I see anything. I think the Thunder were are going to look. I'm not saying the Thunder are just going to sit this trade deadline out. The Thunder never do that. Uh, they're always constantly looking. Sam Presti is a, a GM that has made probably the most trades, you know, more trades than anybody else in the NBA. He does it all the time. Uh, but I just don't know that there's like a real pressing need like there was last season. Yeah, I, I would only give them like a four or five on our, on our scale just because of Presti's history. Yes. Saying that uh, they'll do something, but even the Felton thing, you know, I was, I, I, I was worried last week. I was talking about Felton's happiness, you know, I was a little worried about him, <laughs> but then I saw him, him out with all the boys at the UFC event. So yeah, that he, made me feel better. It seems like he, and then he had, the, he had the moment at the Knicks game where they were chanting for him yeah. and PG got in it. So that, that made me feel better. It seems like things are looking up. He was pretty Even cheerful. if he's not playing. Yeah. He's pretty cheerful in the locker room last night. Early everybody was, that was like the most like excitement that I've heard in the Thunder locker room all season. Uh, they were pumped. They were yelling in the showers. Which was Schroeder happy. Now I'm worried about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was good. Now I did see, they cut away from one of uh, Russ's dunks last night. Yeah. To show show the Thunder bench uh-huh. and uh and Sh- I, Schroeder was actually smiling. I saw him smiling. 
he doesn't smile with his teeth, so he just has like a big, <laughs> big smirk. It's more of a smirk, but he he looked happy. So, yeah, I'm not worried. I wouldn't worry about him. Uh, Long term, I just I don't think that he'll be on the Thunder for the next, you know, two seasons after this. Like I just don't I don't think that'll happen. But yeah. Um, but for now, I just I I, yeah, I haven't seen any signs of unhappiness. He's he's a different kind of guy though. Like he's 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 super different. Um, but I have not heard of him being unhappy at all. Uh, he is playing. He is and probably will be playing a little bit of a lesser role going down the stretch, and so that may change between now and the playoffs. But overall, like he's on a winning team. His reputation is getting better around the league, and his trade value is getting better than it was for Atlanta. So, you know, he may be eventually earning himself a starting spot for somebody, uh, which I think is best case scenario for him. Okay, so the next one is where I think it starts getting interesting. So the team we played last night, the Portland Trailblazers, they're 29-20, the four seed. They've lost one in a row. They, they're 7-3 in their last 10. Why they're interesting, so this was from a piece uh, written by Bobby Marks. He suggested that Portland might be willing to put future draft picks in play, partly based on this quote from Neil O'Shea last year's draft combine where he basically said that he thought the Blazers might have been too conservative with their picks last season and that they lost sight of how competitive the first round was going to be. Hmm. So when you think about, because most teams don't want to trade first round picks. Yeah. So when I read that, just thinking about the Blazers, like they do have some pieces that if they included a first round pick, they could basically make any deal work in terms of the money. So I do think they're an interesting one. Some of the targets they brought up was Taurine Prince. Taurine, Tar, how do you say his name? Taurine. Tor, Taurine Prince. Taurine? Prince. Taurine. <laughs> Taurine Prince. Otto Porter Jr. And then their their plan C was Courtney Lee. What um, Terrence Ross for them? Yeah, I don't know if. Yeah. See, those other guys, I feel, well, not Courtney Lee, but Otto Porter and, and Prince, I feel better about giving up a first-round pick for them. Yeah. I feel kind of weird giving up a first-round pick for Terrence Ross. I mean, maybe if yeah. it was, no, yeah, I don't he's know. He's an upgrade over Mo Harkless. He is, but he's not as big as Mo Harkless. No, at least, but Mo Harkless is a big, soft, invisible player anyways. Oh, man. A lot of hate on Mo today. <laughs> he was so bad last night. It's just obviously small sample, and he's been fine for them. But I just don't think he's any good. I just he's just one of those wings that you just he's like Wesley Johnson, you know. Like Andrew, you, just oh man, what? What? Hey, are you there? Yeah. Okay. I'm it's here. A lost connection for some reason. Okay. No, I'm here. I'll just, okay, I'll just I'll just keep going. Just talking more hate on Mo Harkless. Oh, okay, don't worry. Okay, I, well, I, did you hear me call him uh, Wesley Johnson? No, I didn't. Okay. I had lost you by that point. But <laughs> it's, it's funny because it, me. it's funny because I said it, and then you go, "Oh man." <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah, I think Terrence Ross is is kind of interesting for them because like they would be giving up the first round pick not only to get Terrence Ross but to to get off a year of Mo Harkless's money. Um, now I want to ask you something because I've heard people, I'm, I just Googled how to pronounce Tarine Prince, Tarine Prince. Okay. Uh, 
I've heard a lot of people bring up Prince's name yeah. as like a trade target, both for the Thunder and just for other teams. Mm-hmm. Why, 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 why is Atlanta so interested in trading him? Why would they be interested in trading him? He's like a young, he shoot, he's a young wing. He's yeah. a decent size. He's shooting great from three this season. He's like mm-hmm. at 37%. Like, wh- why? I get why other people want him, but it's not like he's some old guy. He's not going to become a restricted free agent until next summer, not even this coming summer, next right. summer. I well, don't. They have a young team. Well, just keep them. Like, who cares? What are we doing? I have no idea. I don't. And I, with, I think if they could turn him into a decent first, like a mid first round pick, that's where they might do it. Yeah. And then with Otto Porter Jr., Ted Leonsis came out and said that the Wizards will never, ever tank. <laughs> which some people think that means they would never trade Otto Porter. So we'll see. But, the, I mean, Otto Porter on the Blazers would be pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he's good. He just has a ridiculous contract. But he's really good. Now, do you remember the last player that Portland acquired at a trade deadline for a first-round pick? This is a really hard trivia question. <laughs> But you'll laugh when you when you hear who it is. It's very specific. Oh, they traded boy. a first round pick for this guy. I'm trying first to... round pick. It was in 2015. I don't remember. Aaron Aflalo. Oh my goodness! First oh. round pick for Aaron Aflalo. Oh man, Jim Traber is so excited about that. Oh, was he was he high on Aflalo? Oh my goodness! You could not turn on the radio without Jim Traber talking about Aaron Aflalo. Uh, so the Blazers, I'd probably give them the highest rating so far, maybe like a six or a seven, because I do think yeah. they saw what happened last season, and it would make hold, sense. For hold them. on, just one second, my kids are <laughs> hearing so loud. Oh man, Hank's feeling a lot better about himself right now. That's good. He's less embarrassed. Um, yeah, uh, so I'd give them like a six or seven, because I do think there's they have the assets, and if they're willing to trade a first round pick, which they have, mm-hmm. it, it could make sense for them. Yeah, to make like a big move. Yeah. All right. So the next Houston Rockets, the fifth seed, 26 and 20, lost one, five and five in their last 10. I just read a long article <laughs> how, how many wings they want. They just want all of the wings. Uh, Kelly Iko or Iko, uh, he, he suggested like 10 different wings. The only one that really scared me in terms of I think they could actually get him mm-hmm. and I think he'd be better and he's an NBA smart guy is Garrett Temple from the Grizzlies. I feel like he would make some sense, a lot of sense, actually, alongside James Harden. Mm -hmm. And that would would be one that would scare me because he's a really good three-point shooter now. He's a pretty good defender. He doesn't need the ball. It's kind of like a – he seems like a bigger Patrick Beverly in some ways. He's not that good of a defender, but – Yeah. He's probably a lot better than people. He's he's – He's better in people's heads, I feel like. But, uh, I, I disagree. <laughs> but he's also, he's better in people's heads, but he's also would be such a huge upgrade for that team because of the guys that they're playing right now. Yeah, because these other names, they're either guys I'm just not that excited about or guys that I think would take too much in terms of assets. So like KCP, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Rodney Hood, Alec Burks, Nicholas Batum. Which oh. would that would be a that would really be an all in move. I'd be very excited if they traded for Batum. And then Terrence Ross, Wes Matthews, Ariza somehow, and then J.R. Smith. Of those names, the one that seems the most gettable and scary is Garrett Temple. <laughs> the rest of them, I just don't think they could get him. Like, do they really want to give a first round pick for like KCP 
for like Wayne Ellington. That'd be so gross if they gave a first round pick to the Lakers for KCP. The Lakers yeah. would be ecstatic. They'd be so excited. Um, <laughs> That'd be dumb because I mean, honestly, like if you're the Rockets, if like one of those guys is not the difference between you having like a super successful season and not like the difference is like being healthy for a good range of time and not having James Harden be completely exhausted by the playoffs, you know, and getting Daniel back. Oh, getting Daniel. I mean, that's, gotta get him back. Yeah. They, they got, they've got to, it's great. I mean, it's, their situation is crazy and Harden has been awesome for them, but I just think, like, I just don't know that there's anything they can do to get back to the level that they were at last season. Yeah. And, and it's starting to, you're starting to see some cracks in the armor because they are five and five in their last 10. Yeah. They've reached like the breaking point in terms of how many guys are injured on their team. Yeah. So, th- so they could really start racking up some losses here, which would change a lot of things. It'd probably make them more aggressive. Yeah. Um, going into the trade deadline. So yeah, we'll see what happens. They may be more willing to give up the first round pick. And that pick, like it's not going to be the 28th pick. Like it's going to be a decent pick because they're not going to end up at the top of the Western Conference or one of the best records in the league like they were last year. Like they could have like the 21st pick in this next draft and who knows what that turns into. So, I mean, it's it's like it's a significant pick for them and for whoever they trade it to. I mean, it's... It's not a small deal for them. So they have, a, they, they have a big game coming up this Friday against Toronto. But listen to these four. Yeah. They have a road trip, four games in a row, leading directly into the trade deadline at Denver, at Utah, at Phoenix, and then at Sacramento. Hmm. That'll be an interesting little stretch for them. They have to go at least 500. Yes, they do. Because they're only 26 and 20. They, I mean, they could drop. they could drop down. Yeah. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Do you think the Lakers will end up making the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I do. But uh, I'm I'm more nervous about it than I was previously. Yeah. But I assume that when LeBron gets back, everything will normalize. And Yeah. I think uh, that'll okay, be good, ne- too. Yeah. Next is the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs, 27-21. The sixth seed, they're 6-4 six and four in their last 10. They haven't made a trade deadline deal since 2014 when they when they gave a little sweet deal to Nando DeColo, who just wanted to leave. <laughs> right. So it wasn't even really a trade. They brought in Austin Day. Remember him? Oh, yeah. I do remember Austin Day. Had a so lot apparently of the, the one guy they're targeting is Stanley Johnson. Which is interesting. Ooh. I hadn't heard that name attached to them before. That's such a Spurs reclamation project right there. It would be. Jeez. And uh, just a quick note on their possible assets. I don't, you, you know, we don't think of Pau Gasol as an asset right now. But this is kind of interesting. He only has one year left on his deal for $16 million, But if you waive him, he only has 6.7 guaranteed. So it's kind of an interesting contract that you could trade to get a bigger piece, and then that team could basically save ten million just by waving them. So something to think about. It's an NBA smart guy trade. <laughs> it would be. It'd be very smart. Uh, <laughs> Duncan is, is probably just so excited about that. <laughs> I, just, I don't listen to it anymore, but I'm sure that they're just pumped about that. You know, I stopped listening to it as well. I'm happier. I, I'm a happier person. Yeah. I need to find another basketball pod, though, because I really only listen now to Down to Dunk and uh, the Starters and occasionally Bill Simmons. Oh, Sam and Low Vecini's, Post. Sam Vecini's podcast. I know. I 
it's one of those ones that I download it every time, but I can't say I listen to it. He's good, man. It's good. I know he's good. Okay, so I would give the Spurs a one. They're not making a trade. They're not doing anything. Next, Utah Jazz, 26 and 22. Number seven, they're eight and two in their last 10. Yeah, they're good. They were, they were talking about as a target Mike Conley, which what? I hadn't heard them attached to Mike Conley. Uh, Mike Conley is a very difficult player to try to figure out where he could possibly be traded to. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I'd never heard that one. But even on like SLC Dunk, they're talking about the idea of Mike Conley. What's the trade? Well, they have draft picks. They have Rubio's expiring contract. Mm-hmm. They have Dante Exum. They have Derek Favors. So you could you could get up to the money. Like they have the contracts needed. And maybe you wouldn't have to give up a ton because in this scenario, we assume that Memphis is like part of the reason they want to get rid of Conley is just to get off of that money, that mm-hmm. long term money. So it'd be interesting. He definitely feels like a jazz player. Oh, my gosh. Mike Conley on the jazz. He would. He's he's very jazzy. Doesn't not too flashy. Not going to do things that stand out. I mean, they still have to get he makes Mike Conley makes 30 million dollars. I know it's a lot. But I think Rubio and Favors would get you most of the way there. Rubio, Favors, and a first-round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that probably That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. That Definitely an upgrade. Be a huge upgrade. He'd be perfect to play next to Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I would so, be so I don't mad know. if that happened. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that one yet, and that one scared me a little bit. I still don't know if they'll do anything. I'm, I'm giving them like a, a five. Yeah. Okay, so now we get to the Clippers. They're 25 and 22. They're the eighth seed right now, but they've, they're four and six in their last 10. I don't know what they're going to do. They have a ton of expiring contracts, but they're also in the playoffs right now. Yeah. So it's like, should they go for it? Should they not? Then you think about this summer. They probably want to hang on to those expiring contracts unless they legitimately got a really good player in return mm-hmm. because then they could wipe them out and sign you know, potentially two free agents. So I don't know. I, I have a feeling they won't do anything, mm-hmm. but but they, they could if if a big name player came up, I feel like the Clippers would be in it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that I mean, they may try to take a step back deal for like a couple of first round picks or a first round pick here or there and and try to just build for the summer. You know, I think that makes some sense for them. Uh, we got to kind of rapid fire through the rest of these. Okay. Well, the Lakers, 25 and 24, four and six in their last 10, lost two in a row. We kind of just talked about them. The Kings are a little bit interesting. They're 500. They're one and a half games back of the A seed. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of pieces that they could potentially trade. So Zero. they're look. Yes. They're looking for a bigger small forward and a backup point guard. So some of the names they suggested was Harrison Barnes, Jonathan Simmons, Kent Bazemore, Jeremy Lin. They have. I wonder if they could get anything for Amon Shumpert. They're a team that might really deal for Bazemore. Bazemore's contract. He makes eighteen million this year. He makes more than that next year. That's a tough yeah. deal to trade to a team that's like in the tax or anywhere around it. But the Kings, like they make that seems like such a Kings thing to do. That's the deal. It would, but he's Bazemore. but he's not even big. Like I don't even. Know. I feel like that would just be so redundant. With uh, the, the bone dong and, the bone and buddy dong. Yeah. yeah, I, it's true. It's true. They're gonna okay. Do, they'll do something. I'll bet they'll do something. I bet they and the Lakers will do something. Not, not that they make a trade together, but I think they'll both do something. So the Timberwolves are two games out of the playoffs. They're six and four in their last ten. Twenty three and twenty four. 
there was a whole article I read about Derrick Rose, which he's a really interesting trade asset because obviously he's having a great season. Mm-hmm. He's the likely sixth man of the year. He's on a $2.2 million expiring contract. He does have the right to veto any trade. Mm-hmm. But, but Andrew, these are legitimate trade ideas from an athletic article I read, okay? Oh, no. D. Rose and Anthony Tolliver for Jeremy Grant. Oh, gosh. Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> D Rose and Tolliver for Ferguson and Tupat. No, get out of here. Get that out of my face. Ugh, so gross. They're like, oh, Derrick Rose would be a, a great backcourt uh, teammate with Russell. Shut up. No, what are you talking about? Don't say those words. So they have Anthony Tolliver, Taj Gibson are both on expiring deals. I think it would make sense for them to make a trade, but we no one really knows what they're going to do because they still have the GM that was brought on with Tom Thibodeau. So they still have Scott Layden. Yeah. They don't know if he's going to be there long-term. It's just a weird, a weird trade deadline for them. Hey, Alex. Yeah. Uh, I've got to go take my son to school. Will you finish out the pod? Yeah, sure. Do just break it all down for everybody. Cause I think everybody wants to hear this. And also if you feel like sharing a miffed and peeved, feel free. Oh, I will. Okay. okay. All right. I got to go. Goodbye everybody. Okay. All right, welcome to the Deborah Buckets Basketball Hour. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, it's so so nice of you to join me today. It's January twenty third. <laughs> okay, uh, the twelfth seed, the New Orleans Pelicans, twenty two and twenty five. They're three games out of the playoffs, six and four in their last ten. And did you see what happened last night on Twitter? Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted that Anthony Davis may be hurt again and he could be out for two to four weeks. That's bad news because let's talk about their upcoming schedule. So they've got eight games before the deadline. Six of those games at OKC, San Antonio Spurs, at Houston, Denver at home, at San Antonio, and Indiana at home. That's scary. That's scary. Especially if you don't have Anthony Davis, what are they going to do? What if they could lose? They could lose all six of those games. But even if they didn't, let's say they go three and five. So now they're they're 25 and 30. They're maybe five games out of the playoffs. It gets really scary. And I have no idea what they would do because you think with Anthony Davis, based on what uh, the Celtics cannot do right now, which is they cannot trade for Anthony Davis unless they traded Kyrie Irving. The only way they can get both of those guys is they have to wait till the summer. So the Pelicans probably would never trade Anthony Davis at the trade deadline. But man, if they go into this trade deadline and they're way out of the playoffs, what do they do? I have no idea. I have no ideas for you. I'm just scared for them. I'm scared. All right. The next the 13th seed, the Dallas Mavericks, 21 and 26. They're four games out of the playoffs, three and seven in their last 10. Woof. So the big thing with the Mavericks, obviously, is the Dennis Smith Jr. fiasco, the saga. He left the team. Uh, the, the Rick Carlisle tried to pretend that he was sick. He's just away because he's sick. He's got a little tummy ache. Everyone knew that was a lie. Turns out Dennis Smith was just off doing his own thing. He was on social media, hanging out, eating good food. So finally he came back. Recent reports say that Dallas Mavericks are optimistic that they can reconcile with point guard Dennis Smith Jr. and insist that they won't trade Smith unless they get good value in return. I personally think they should get good value in return. I still really like Dennis Smith. He's only a second-year player. 
He had a weird season. This was a guy who was brought in, basically given the ball last season, and now he's playing with Luka. And so, of course, things are going to change dramatically. But if you were a young team like the Suns or Orlando, I feel like it would make a ton of sense to go after Dennis Smith Jr. Or we talked about it last week. What about the Memphis Grizzlies going after Dennis Smith Jr. and pairing him with Jaron Jackson Jr.? You could have two juniors, two juniors. That'd be great. That'd be a thing you could market. All right. Number 14, the Memphis Grizzlies. They're 19 and 28. (sighs) Six games out of the playoffs. They've lost six in a row. They are one and nine in their last 10. And just yesterday, Adrian Wojnowski tweeted out that the Memphis Grizzlies will begin listening to trade offers on stars Mark Gasol and Mike Conley. Now, Gasol and Conley recently met with their owner, the owner of the Grizzlies. I think it's Robert Para. Is that right? And they, they told him, apparently, that they don't really want to be traded. You know, they don't, they're not asking. They're not demanding a trade. But, you know, obviously they, they, they know that the team isn't doing well and that they may be on the trade market. These are really hard deals to figure out because you're talking about two older stars on relatively big de- deals. Now, Conley's is even t- because it goes for a longer. Gasol, at least, you don't have to make a huge commitment to him. I don't know what they would get back for these two guys. I think they would hope to get back a young player, even if that young player, like this wouldn't make sense. Because this, why would the Suns want either of these guys? But someone like a Josh Jackson, who they think they could just kind of do a reclamation project with. That kind of a young player would make more sense to me. I, I don't think they're going to get like a good young player. And then obviously they would want to pick. And a reminder that their pick is, I believe, top 10 protected or top eight protected this season. And if it, if it did, it, if it did convey, it would convey to the Boston Celtics. So they have some incentive to tank at this point. So I do think it makes sense for them to trade these guys. But I am doubtful that they could get anything that they could then sell to their fans. Like the the return for a Gasol or Conley at this point, I think would just be sad. So I don't know what they do. Then you come to the Phoenix Suns who are 11 and 38, 15 games out of the playoffs, lost five in a row, two and eight in their last 10. I read an article, some of their targets, obviously they're they're still looking for a point guard. It's been multiple years, multiple year journey. Now, some of their targets, Dennis Smith, Jr., Jeremy Lin, TJ McConnell, Goran Dragic, Terry Rozier, Tyus Jones, Patrick Beverly. Of those, the one that feels the most – well, okay. So I think Dennis Jr., Dennis Smith Jr. would be a great get for them. And I feel like they have some young pieces that they could swap with Dallas that might make sense with Luka. I don't know if – apparently no one likes Josh Jackson at this point. But they have some other guys they could potentially trade for him. And they still have all their picks going forward. Um, someone like a Jeremy Lin doesn't get me too excited. That feels like a stopgap measure. And it's like, well, what do you, what's the point? You're just losing anyways. So I don't think that they make a trade unless they can get a young point guard back that actually makes sense with their timeline. So the idea of trading for like Goran Dragic, like what's the point? What are you doing with that? And then TJ McConnell, I don't know why the Sixers would ever give him up. Terry Rozier is probably gettable, but based on his play this year, I don't know if that's what they're looking for. Uh, Tyus Jones, very NBA smart guy pick, super smart guy pick. One of my favorites. I don't know if I've ever seen him play, but one of my favorites. Uh, so if they got Tyus Jones, I'd be very excited for them. But 
Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Then you have Patrick Beverly. That doesn't make sense for me. So of those, I would go for Dennis Smith Jr. first and then Tyus Jones second. Their assets, eh, not a ton. One guy that they do have that I haven't really heard anyone talking about is Troy Daniels. So Troy Daniels, he's on expiring contract, shooting 40.3% from three. I think for a random like second round pick, maybe a deal gets done there. Josh Jackson, he is currently shooting, uh, let's see, he has 9.6 points a game, four rebounds, two and a half assists. He also has two and a half turnovers. Things aren't looking great for Josh Jackson, but he's still super young. And so he probably has some value just based on that. But Andrew hates him and he and he talks really bad about him. And I can say that now because Andrew's not on the pot anymore. So that kind of runs through the Western Conference. Those are the 15 teams of the Western Conference kind of preparing ourselves for the trade deadline. Now, we're going to have one more show before the trade deadline. And we talked about doing some trade calls next week. So I think that's what we'll do Um, before we go. Why not? share with you a personal miffed and peeved play that drop hank miff 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 and peeved all right so miffed and peeved this week it was crazy i was taking a shower yesterday in the morning times when i take my showers i was naked okay i don't know how you take showers i take them naked all right so i was naked taking a shower finished my shower feeling good ready to start the new day I'm in a, a standing shower that has two sliding glass doors, okay? So they're shut right now. I open one at what I believe is a perfectly normal speed, normal amount of strength. It hits the other side of the wall, the little bumper there, which it always hits, shatters into a million pieces. Again, I'm standing there naked, okay? I don't wear clothes in the shower. Covered in glass. I look down at my feet. I look down at my legs. There's just blood running down my legs, tops of my feet, red, red, going into the little drain. And it looks like ice. It looks like ice. I'm serious. A million little pieces of glass. Complicating matters is that my wife, 30 seconds earlier, had just left for the day. She'd come in, say bye, say bye. She walks out the front door. She's gone. She's gone. What am I going to do? I look down at my feet. I'm bleeding. Luckily, and here's a great pro tip, a pro tip for you, a life pro tip. One of my new things is I listen to a, uh, a podcast while I'm taking a shower and I take my phone in the shower with me. I put it up on this little ledge where it doesn't get wet and I can listen to a podcast. So without moving, another pro tip, when a bunch of glass falls on you, don't move. Just stay perfectly still. I picked up my phone, called my wife. She turned around. She came back. She made a, a pathway for me, like a red carpet. It did turn red because all the blood red carpet of towels. I led myself out of the bathroom. Then I had to climb up on the kitchen sink and wash all the glass out of my feet and then bandage myself up. Now it looks like I was attacked by like a small animal, maybe like a little a cat. I don't know what gerbil attacks look like, but it could potentially look like a gerbil attack. My right hand, my right feet just torn up, torn up. So it was it was a terrible terrible start to my day somebody on twitter informed me that those glass doors are not cheap i would agree i google them we're talking about like 400 bucks just because i I didn't even know my own strength i think that's what the moral of the story is that i've just been getting so yoked you know i've been biking to work every day back and forth just getting yoked on my bike and i just didn't know how strong i was and i shattered this door so i had to clean it up all last night listen to this 
I clean I clean all this up. It's like 40 pounds of glass. I throw it away. I go make myself a nice glass of red wine. You know, like LeBron trying to be more classy. Go over and get a glass. I drop it. Shatters all over the floor. <laughs> more glass all over my kitchen. My wife's starting to get worried about me. She thinks I might have like a neurological disorder. We'll see. I don't know. Um, so that's my Mifton P for this week. I want to shout out our uh, our sponsors today. Uh, the Mule. They have, gr- they have great fries. Um, and I think that'll about do it for this week. So tune in. Remember to follow Andrew at Andrew K. Select on Twitter. Follow me at Al Baby Cakes. Deborah Buckets online. Deborah Buckets getting a shout out on Reddit yesterday. P- people put my name in brackets like I was a reporter. It made me feel really good. By the way, you guys, I'm cool with. You guys can call me Debbie, okay? You don't have to call me Deborah. All right. That's that's more for that's my my professional name, okay? Okay, I'm wrapping it up. Wrapping it up. Everyone have a great Wednesday. We'll see you back again next week on Deborah Buckets Basketball Hour.